Man, we are glad to have you. My name's Steve. It's my privilege to uh, be the pastor here. We're delighted that you come to join us for this little mini-series that we're going to be doing these next four weeks called Perspective. What does the Bible tell us? Today we're going to deal with self, but here's the thing. Whatever you do, I want you to be here next week. Next week we're going to talk about marriage. Now here's the thing. There's a boatload of you that aren't married. And you, I, I know what you're thinking. I, I, I get this. Hey, I'm not married. Been there, done that for some of you. Uh, others of you, it's just is not going to happen in my lifetime. I'm not interested. Some of you were married, had a great marriage. Your, uh, your spouse has gone home, so it's just you. In fact, it's so cute because whatever happens is, you know, I found love once. That's all it's going to be. And that's what you tell me. And then a few weeks later, you're here with somebody new and you're introducing them. And I go, where did you meet him? Ah, you know, christianmingle.com. And it's so cute. But it's like, you told me you were never going to get married again, but then you're on christianmingle.com, right? Okay, so the point is, I know a lot of you aren't married at this point. But if there's ever a chance that you're going to be again, i.e. you're still breathing, you need to be here next week. We're going to talk about the biblical perspective of marriage or how it works. Now, having said all that, I'm just going to be real honest. There's going to be things that we're going to say today, we're going to say next week, we're going to say when we move into family and, and then sexuality. And we're going to say some things that honestly are going to cut across what our culture's telling us, right? And for some of you, it's maybe even going to be hard to hear. Now, first of all, I think we can be friends and we can have that discussion. But I would like to suggest to you that our culture, even though it puts itself out there as all that, really doesn't know what, what really brings happiness and contentment. I mean, what do we read about our culture? Our culture right now, all the statistics are telling us that the abuse of alcohol, of drugs, and suicide rates are going through the roof. And though our culture puts itself out there as kind of the end-all, be-all, it's not. And what I'm going to suggest to you is that I think that God is actually the end-all, be-all. I think he's got wisdom for how to live this life. I mean, he kind of made it. In fact, I couldn't help but think this week, I was reminded of this passage in the book of Proverbs where Solomon uses the word wisdom and he personifies it as the very voice of God speaking to us. And this is what he says. Wisdom shouts in the streets. She cries out in the public square. She calls to the crowds along the main street to those who gather in front of the city gate. How long, you simpletons, will you insist on being simple-minded? How long will you relish, mockers relish your mocking? How long will you fools hate knowledge? Come and listen to my counsel. I'll share my heart with you, and I'll make you wise. I called you so often, but you wouldn't come. I reached out to you, but you paid no attention. You ignored my advice and rejected the correction I offered. They rejected my advice and paid no attention when I corrected them. Therefore, they must eat the bitter fruit of their own way, choking on their own schemes. For simpletons turn away from me 
to death. Fools are destroyed by their own complacency. But, and man, I'm so thankful for that but. But all who listen to me will live in peace. Peace. Untroubled by fear of harm. Folk, I believe God has wisdom. I believe it's the wisdom that will lead you to the very best life possible. And I realize it cuts against the grain. I also realize that we may even touch on some things that as we talk about it, you're going to be going to your mind, Steve, you're, you're taking too simplistic of a view of this because it's an area you deal with and your story is much deeper and darker than what we can deal with here. And I get that. But I want you to understand, I'm not really trying to fix you, A, because I can't, but that's really not what we're trying to do. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to offer you hope that there is somebody who can fix it. And his name is Jesus. And that's the exact reason he came. Peter tells us he himself bore in his body on the cross, our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin, live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed. And so often people read that verse and when they talk about healing, they think it's a physical healing. I, I gotta be honest with you. I think the heart of, because that's a quote out of Isaiah 53. I think the heart of that is the healing is the healing of our heart, the healing of our soul, the brokenness that we have. So I wanna offer you hope today. So if you got your Bibles, I'm gonna invite you to turn with me to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter one. If you don't, maybe you got a Bible app on your phone or iPad, wanna turn there with me, that would be great. But I wanna start with some wonderful truth. And this truth is this, is that you are of great worth and value to God. Let's read about it, Genesis one, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, over the cattle and all the earth and over all the creeping things that creep on the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 31, and God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. So Genesis 1 is the story of how God created, that he stepped out when there was no space, no time, no matter, and he created it all. And the earth was without form and void. And now he took that space and time and he began to fashion it. And how he did it. And he gets to the sixth day of creation. Now, at the end of all the first five days, you know, he made the sun, the moon, the stars, the earth, the sea, the trees, and all this. He said it was good. It was good. It was good. He gets to the sixth day. He creates us, people, this unique piece of his creation. And on that day, he says it is very good abundantly good, exceedingly good, much better than we could possibly know because God created us different. He created us to reflect his image, to, in essence, to do what no other creature, we were to rule. God's the ruler. We were created in his image to rule over the, 
the things of the earth. He created us with a spirit that will last forever. That's why, you know, as this body grows and changes and gets old and we lose cells and we lose hair and we lose this and we lose that, the real us is still in there, right? Because God gave us a spirit like his spirit, a spirit that will live forever. You're a special creation. Not only are you special, you're unique. Because when God rolled the first two off of his assembly line, they were really different. There was Adam as a male created with all this masculinity. There's Eve who is a female created with all her femininity. And then God put into their DNA all the variants that we see today. It was there. He stamped it upon him. You know, our God is the God of the rainbow and all the different colors. And God put that into their DNA so that when they would come together and that sperm would make, hit that egg, that something unique was created every single time. Just like the snowflakes that fall from the sky. There are no two alike. There's nobody like you. You're one in what? Ten billion? You're special. You're unique. You all know I'm married to a twin, an identical twin. I've seen your faces when her sister shows up. You do a double take. What's going on here? But I can tell you, they're unique people. One of them I really like. The other one I love. You know, she's special. You're unique. You are special. You are a special creation of God. And you were blessed with this incredible purpose. You were to be the image bearer of God. You were to reflect his character, his justice, his holiness, his love, his mercy, his grace, his faithfulness to one another. That's what you were created to do. And in our identity of who God has made us is this special creation. I mean, you know, the French put it like this, the peace de resistance, which I had no idea what that meant. I had to look it up. You are the best dish of the whole meal. It's who God made you to be. You're special to him. You are his engineers. And quite honestly, that's why you're so loved. You know, God created, he spoke things into being. That's not how he made man. Man, he fashioned with his own hands. Man, he breathed into him the breath of life. The first moment of man's existence, he's looking into the eyes of his creator who has given him life, who has made him in his own image. You know, all creation knows God as their creator. Man was created to know God as his friend, as his counselor, to walk with him in the cool of the evening, to have this unique, special relationship with God. You are loved. And so, folks, what I need you to understand today is that you're special, you're unique, you're loved, you have value, you have worth. I don't care what the world tells you, God don't make no junk. And if in your heart you're pushing back at that today, can I just tell you, you're not arguing with me, you're arguing with God. Jesus said you were worth it. You know, Jesus said you were worth dying for. You were worth him coming to this world and taking your sin. That's what Jesus said. You were worth it because you have worth. You have value. Now, let me tell you, 
one of the things that happens so often is we get a piece of, we get truth, that's truth, what I've just shared, but then we make it the whole truth, and then it becomes an untruth. Some people say, oh man, I have great worth, value, I can't do anything wrong, nothing I do stinks. Well, that's not truth. Because the truth is, yes, you are great value and worth, but you're also broken. And your brokenness comes because of sin. You turn over to Genesis chapter 3, and what you find is that, that sin has created a huge brokenness in all of us. Genesis 3, 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, as God said, you shall not eat from the tree of the garden. The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die. For God knows that in that day that you eat from it, your eyes will be open. You will be like God. Oh, by the way, they already are. He made them in his image, right? Mm. Knowing good and evil. Now, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of the both of them were opened and they knew they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. Then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. You see, sin has created a brokenness in our heart. A brokenness. And that brokenness is passed down. So now Adam and Eve have a child. In fact, they have two children. One's named Cain, one's named Evil. E evil. How about Abel? Slow it down, all right? Cain and Abel. Cain has got a heart that's broken. He's a heart that's envious of his brother, a heart that's striving for a relationship with God. He can't find it in his envy. He ends up killing his brother. And all of us are born with this brokenness. That's where it comes from. And this brokenness starts because we have a broken relationship with God. We were created to reflect him. We were created to serve him, but now we don't know. What are, how are we to reflect what we don't know? How are we to show forth his mercy and his grace when we don't know him? And so it affects our identity and our purpose. And so man, through all of our brokenness, now tries to find it in different things. Solomon's probably that great example. He looks for it in knowledge, but he doesn't find it there. He looks for it in pleasure. He doesn't find it there. He worked, looks for it in, worth. He does, in work. He doesn't find it there. In fact, he says it's all just simply chasing the wind. And that's what our brokenness does. It sends us on this journey of trying to find it. And the sad thing is, is the journey typically leads us away from God. The place where our real identity is purpose is found and we look for it instead of the truth of what God has said and we look for it in the, the changing world that we live in. The changing culture, which today they say this is truth, and tomorrow they say this is truth, and it just, it never comes forward. I, I was laughing last night, I mentioned to the group, you know, I'm old enough, 
and this will really date me, but when I went to elementary school, what we were told at that time is the next great geological event in our world was going to be another ice age. Do any of you remember that? All right, few other mature people here. I got that. And then we were told, of course, as my kids went into school, that it was actually what was coming was this great global warming, right? Right? You all remember that one. And now they can't make up their minds, so they just talk about climate change, right? Which, again, back in the day, we called it weather, but that's okay. But the point is, and I'm not trying to get political here. All I'm trying to say is, is you listen to the world and the culture. It says one thing today. It says another thing tomorrow. And when we try to go, in fact, probably the best picture I could give you of this is the picture that God gives in Jeremiah 2. Man, write that passage down. Take some time to go look at it. I I just got to tell you about it real quickly. Jeremiah 2, God says, I am the fountain of living water. You're thirsty. Your soul needs something. I've got it. I am that fountain that just bubbles up from the earth. It's cold. It's clear. It's crisp. We were just in Montana at this camp, and they get their water water out of a mountain spring that just comes up. It is the best water you've ever had. He says, here I am, the fountain of living water. I know what your soul needs. He says, but you've rejected me and you're you've gone a different path. You're making cisterns. A cistern was just a basically a hole in the rock and you'd have to chisel and beat it and shovel it and chisel it out, make this hole. And then all the work of chiseling channels so that when it did rain, the water would catch in those channels and would run into the cistern. And then you had to take clay and put clay on the side so that when the water went, it wouldn't seep back into the ground. And he says, "You, here I am, the fountain of living waters. Everything your soul needs in me, you've rejected me. You've gone through all this hard work to make a cistern. And oh, by the way, your cistern's cracked. It won't hold water. If you actually get some water out of it, man, it's going to be muddy. It's going to taste like minerals. It's going to be terrible. Here I am because you're you're looking for all these things in this journey, in your brokenness, and all this work, and it's never going to give you what you need. Our brokenness only brings us pain. It only brings us confusion. It only brings us despair. It only leads to more brokenness. And guess what? We live in a world of broken people and their brokenness spills over into us and and, and they use and they abuse and they manipulate and they don't keep their word and it, it brings more pain into our life. And you're sitting there saying, Steve, you started this morning saying you were bringing hope. Where's the hope in that? Ah, there is hope. There's hope in this wonderful truth that Jesus came to fix our brokenness. Jesus came to restore what we lost. Jesus came and died to forgive. So here's the big thing. Not only are we broken, but in our brokenness, we rebelled against God. We sinned against him. So now it's not just needing to be fixed, but we need to be forgiven. So Jesus enters this world of mess, this world of brokenness, and he comes in this world, and man, he sees and he touches all the brokenness. I mean, think of all that Jesus faced. Jesus is, Jesus is despised. He's said that he is of Beelzebul. 
He's rejected, he's denied, he's betrayed by one of his best friends. He's falsely accused, he's put to death for nothing. And yet, because Jesus is the perfect son of God, there is no brokenness in his life. He knows who he is. He knows he's the son of God. He knows why he's here. He says, I did not come to, to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. In fact, remember that first verse that we looked at today? And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness for by his wounds you are healed. And folk, that's the beauty of this. Jesus doesn't want you to continue to have to live in your brokenness. He doesn't want you to have to continue to live in the brokenness of your soul without a sense of who you are and a sense of purpose in your life and all the pain and the hurt that that brings. And again, you talk about taking a truth and, and, and then making the whole truth that becomes an untruth. You know, I meet people all the time who say, well, I'm broken. And that becomes their identity. And you just got to take me the way I am. And though I'm, I'm a mean person and I'm an unkind person and I just spout the first thing that comes to mind, you just got to put up with me because that's who I am. And I want to say to you, no, Jesus came not only to forgive and to heal, but he came to fix our brokenness. In fact, the beautiful fix of our brokenness, what he really wants to do is those pieces of big brokenness in your life. He not only wants to heal, but he wants to heal it in such a way that that becomes a trophy. A trophy, a shining example of his grace, his faithfulness, quite honestly, his character. Ah, remember identity, remember purpose, so that you can be a testimony to others who are facing the same brokenness. That's what Jesus wants you to do. He doesn't want you to continue on. He wants to make you more like himself. That's why Jesus says, I came that they may have life and that they might have it abundantly. Jesus wants you not just to know him and live in your brokenness. He wants to heal you of that. But if I could give you three real quick reminders here. Number one, our soul's brokenness, quite honestly, is deep. And the journey to health, the journey to becoming this trophy of God's grace is often long and difficult. Now, probably you've met somebody, I know I have, who, who came with a lot of brokenness when they met Jesus. Maybe they were addicted to drugs or addicted to alcohol or something big in their life. And they came and met Jesus and Jesus, like in that instant, changed their life. And that's cool. And he does that. But that tends, in my experience, to be more the exception than the rule. Most of us, it begins at that moment of salvation, but now we have that journey at which he is taking us deep with himself to bring about that healing that takes place. Secondly, we got to be reminded that we have an enemy. Can I tell you that there's somebody who does not want you to overcome your brokenness? There is somebody who wants you to live in it, somebody who wants you to act out of it, somebody who wants you to make decisions out of your brokenness because it will lead you to more pain. He is our enemy. In fact, remember, we just looked at John 10, 10. Jesus said, I came to give life and to give it abundantly. Do you know what the first part of that verse is? 
There's a thief, and he only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what the enemy does. And so just like with Adam and Eve, he tells you lies. He's saying, hey, you're no good. God couldn't love you. You know what you've done in the past. How could God love that? He speaks lies into our life. You're okay. You don't need to overcome this. You just continue to go on. You know, God just accepts you just as you are. And he does, but he wants to fix you. And he speaks lies into our heart. And folks, that's why we got to stand in truth. A scripture, if you don't have it marked in your Bible and started committed to memory, this is a verse you need to. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul says that uh, for though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, but they're divinely powerful to the destruction of fortresses. And here's the thing. You get this idea, man, we're going into battle. You get all excited. But look what he says. We are destroying what? The enemy? No. We're destroying speculation. This is a battle for the mind. It's about thoughts. And every lofty thing raised up what? Against the knowledge of God. This is a battle for our mind. Are we going to stand in truth in what God tells us? Are we going to listen to wisdom as it screams in the streets? Or are we going to listen to the lies of the enemy who wants us to, to live in our brokenness, who wants to destroy, who wants to kill? And so we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Focus on we have an enemy. He wants us to listen to the lies. Thirdly, and I wish I had more time to, to explore this, and I just don't. But you know, in our brokenness in our soul, there's also a brokenness with us physically. And for some of you, you're so young, you haven't kind of figured this out again. As you become more mature in life, you're going to realize this body is on a downward spiral too. Things that used to work don't work so well. You know, used to grow hair, doesn't grow hair so well. You know, just this body. And, and, and there are times in the brokenness of this body that it affects the brokenness of our soul. I've shared with you the story. Uh, back when I was a junior in high school, I got mononucleosis really bad. You know, it, now here's the thing. If you know anything about mono, it's known as the kissing disease I didn't get it that way. I mean, to me, at least that would have been redeemable, right? Okay, can you do that? How I got it was my brother had this really mild case. I can guarantee I wasn't kissing my brother, but I got it. I missed 90 days of school. It eventually worked its way into an autoimmune disease called CFS or chronic fatigue syndrome. I've dealt with it for years. But here's the thing. In, when it would be bad, I would often start struggling with depression. The brokenness for me wasn't a spiritual thing. It wasn't an emotional thing. It was a physical thing. And honestly, you know, when you start talking mental health issues and depression, I mean, one of the things that can come from any of these areas, but one of the things that sometimes you've got to, I always encourage people to do if you're struggling with that is at least go get a physical. Find out if there's something in your body that's just not working real well because that also can be a priority. But here's the piece. Jesus wants to heal. He really wants to heal. That's why he came. It starts at salvation. That's why if you don't know Jesus, you're never going to know the healing from the brokenness in your life. It just starts with him. Coming to understand that he died for you, 
that I can't save myself and so I put my trust in Jesus and Jesus alone and at that moment he starts to change. He starts to healing. In fact, what we're told is if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away. He begins that change that moment. The verse that we share often, Romans 8, 29, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. He is going to realign us when our relationship with God and our purpose of life of reflecting and being an image bearer of our God, he's going to make us into the image of Jesus. It starts at salvation. You'll never know healing from your brokenness till you come to faith in Christ. And then as a believer, that journey starts and he's given us two things. He's given us his spirit, the Holy Spirit, God himself who lives within me to encourage me. I love what Paul says in Romans chapter 8, that his spirit himself testifies with our spirit about who we are, that we are the children of God and as children, we're also heirs of God. That means all that belongs to God belongs to me. And oh, by the way, we are joint heir with Jesus. So all that belongs to Jesus belongs to me. That's who I am. I am of value. I have worth. It comes Holy Spirit in there speaking truth into my life. And then secondly, his word. And in his word, it's the wisdom that he gives us about how do you live this life? How do you act as a husband? How do you act as a wife? How do, how do you treat other people? How do you reflect the character of God? He gives us his word and spirit. And lastly, he also gives us brothers and sisters. Many of them who've had the same brokenness we're, st- we're struggling with, but you know, they've known the healing. That's become that testimony to them, that testimony of God's grace and to have them speak into our life. And you know, I, 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 you'll see, I put a few of these up here and what I found out was we actually put them in your seat pocket for you. I knew this card was coming. I just didn't know this was the weekend they'd roll it out. It's great. I hope you pick it up. We got some great groups. We got combat trauma groups. You know, that's that brokenness coming out of war. We've got people that can help you. A couple I wanted to mention was mending the soul, specifically for women who have gone through abuse, whether it's physical abuse or sexual abuse or or spiritual abuse by, by somebody in your life. Mending the soul is a great place to walk through and help others who have also known this healing in their life to help you. Grief share, those who have lost loved ones and have been through that journey, that journey of brokenness that comes through loss. And man, they're there to help walk with you through this. One of the ones I'm so excited about is surrendering the secret. Again, our culture tells us, man, you get pregnant and it's not convenient. Just abort the child. Man, everything in our studies that look at it is just the, that sense of loss, that sense of hurt, that sense of guilt that comes. God doesn't want you to live in that brokenness. God came to forgive, to restore. And I love this ministry. Some of you have been carrying that around as a secret and a burden. God doesn't want you to live in that brokenness. He came to heal. We also got some sweet brothers and sisters in Christ that God has gifted in helping unpack the brokenness in our heart. Uh, one of these that we work with very closely is Northwest Christian Counseling. 
In fact, they'll be here one of these weeks. We wanted them to be here just so you could meet them. Because sometimes, again, that brokenness goes so deep. And these are Christian counselors who will help you unpack that and help you understand the truth that God wants to speak into your life. But God doesn't want us to live in our brokenness. He came so that we could be healed.